welcome to Sparkle Speak. This is a podcast sponsored by Sparkle, which is a Christian women's ministry designed to connect women with the purpose of inspiration and encouragement. Each week, we will interview a new guest who will share her personal experience with Christianity. Whether you identify yourself as a Christian or not, this podcast is for you, and our intent is always to inspire one another through our own unique and individual stories of how God has moved and shaped us. Wherever you are listening today, we hope you enjoy this story of faith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sparkle Speak. I'm your host, Catherine. And as you know, each week we chat with a guest who will share her personal story of how she came to know the Lord. And today we are honored to have Lena with us. Um, Lena is actually my husband's cousin, and I've known her for, oh gosh, seven years now, eight years. Yeah. I don't even know, <laughs> but <laughs> enough time to know that she's um, a great woman and just has a huge heart for the Lord. And Lena, I am always just inspired about how um, God's light just shines through you. It's very evident that you have a genuine and real relationship with him. And so that's part of why um, I just invited you on today to hear your story and to let you share with um, the listeners just what God means to you and how he made himself known to you. So um Let's start off by um, just saying, uh, what does Christianity mean to you? I know that's a very, very big, broad question, but if you had to give us an answer to that, what would you say? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, and I appreciate all the beautiful comments, and I feel the same about you. So light attracts light. So girl, the Lord is with us, and I know he's here with us today, so I appreciate you having me, but um, yes. No, um, regarding that question, um, being a Christian, what does being a Christian mean to me? I think that Christianity um, has lost its significance as far as that word. It's used very loosely today. Um, let me let me go back in time and preface this like with when before I really was a true Christian. Um, in my mind, as a human being, um, I kind of thought you know, when I was capable of, ha of having, you know, um, the, the choice to make in my life of what to do, I thought there were a few different options. I was going to either try to reach God myself, which of course left me in control still, which I like that, or I was going to live for myself. I was going to ignore that part. And then I was going to live for myself, which left me in control also, or the last one is I decided to do both. Um, I decided, I thought that um, it was kind of like an authority, looking back, I think it's an authority issue because I wanted to have control. And I think that a lot of human beings want to have control and it has to do with pride and it has to do with control. And so without realizing it, I'm discounting God's authority. And when you leave God's authority out of the equation, it leaves you, you know, your subjective opinion to what is good and to what, you know, is holy and to what, you know, how I can live my life. So in my mind, I thought I was going to do both. I naturally was a people pleaser. I know a lot of girls fall into this category. So I like to talk about this a lot. Um, I grew up really just wanting to be, um, 
like I wanted validation. I wanted love. I wanted to be accepted. Um, and so I thought in my mind, because I, I overrode God's authority, I thought being a good person and having morals and values and checking all the boxes and making people happy and trying to make God happy. And make, in the meantime, I thought it would make me feel good by having like my routine and, you know, doing all these little things um, that, that I was actually pleasing God and I was actually pleasing people, but I couldn't understand why I still felt empty. Um, and actually it became exhausting. So it became exhausting. It became like a performance because we know now, or I know now, I should say in my own strength, like that stuff just, it doesn't work. Trying to get validation from every single angle and, you know, hating myself along the way, it's literally draining and I needed an escape. And so what I started to do was I started to literally live like two lives. So I would try to show off and impress God and impress people by being a good person. And then I had my other life where I wanted to self-gratify. I wanted what I wanted when I wanted. I was a competitive person. When I saw something that I wanted, I went after it. I didn't have any standard that I, you know, maybe deep down I knew, but I kind of in my mind made up my own rules. And so that is the lie that we're told. And that is the fantasy world that I began to live. The two worlds, the fantasy world and the reality, the reality I didn't want to face. And so that was before. Now, if you're asking me, what does being a Christian mean to me now? It's pretty simple. Um, in a few words, it means being born again. And the Bible teaches us that we're not born into the family of God. Um, we're not born into right relationship with God um, because of a generational curse. It's in our DNA. We're straight up sinners, right? And so it is impossible to meet with a holy God who cannot be with sin. Like all of my efforts, this is what I had to come to grips with is all of my efforts, my personality, and all of my good acts of service it means nothing if I can't admit I'm a sinner that needs a perfect savior. So like what we're convinced of as humans that is right is way off from what God, God's intention is. And so like my best tries really were still infected with sin. And um, what really got me is in the book of Isaiah, I'm sure you've heard the scripture in 64, 6, where it says that our good deeds are like filthy rags. So unless our heart is surrendered to God, we're still unclean, right? So we got to clean up our hearts. And I knew that my heart was unclean. Um, he knew it was unclean. He knew it was underneath. He knows a hypocrite. We can't fool God. And what really got me is that translation, the Hebrew translation of filthy. It's, I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, but it's Ida, I-D-D-A, and it literally means bodily fluids from a woman's menstrual cycle. So our attempts to please him without surrendering to him is unacceptable, it's disgusting, it's soiled, it's polluted like a feminine hygiene product. Think about that, that's pretty graphic, you know? So it's clear that with our sin nature, we can never be good enough. 
to deserve to live with a holy, perfect God. But there is one thing that can erase my sin and exchange it with a new redeemed life. And that is the blood of Jesus. He is perfect. I don't have to be perfect. I think that's what I was trying so hard to do was to be perfect for myself, be perfect for other people, be perfect for God. I can't be, I'm a sinner. So he is perfect for me and he's a perfect sacrifice and his blood covers it all. And so when I look at the cross now, I see myself, you know, hanging there and I see all my sin. I should be hanging there. But when I think about what he did for me, he died for me and he resurrected. That's the part that people don't realize. He didn't just die. He resurrected to give new life. The old is gone. The new has come. We are a new creation. And so that scripture that always I was intimidated of in John 3, 3, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I was always so freaked out by that. So I'm like, what does that mean? Being born again, you know, that's basically it. The old is gone. The new is come. You're a new creation. Whether you use the word reborn, rebirth, regeneration, um, it's basically those words now are, are a different meaning to me. When I read that scripture, I, I'm able to release and give all my sins to God so that I can be free and I can approach him because before I was condemned, but now I'm not because through his forgiveness, he's given me the right to become a child of God. And in John 1:12, it says, but to all who believed, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I always tell my kids, there are no grandchildren of God. There's just children of God. So you have to own your faith. You can't ride on the coattails of anyone. So to be born again, you have to have faith and believe in God's mercy and grace. Because we're by grace, we've been saved through faith. And it's not of us, like I was trying to do. It's a gift. It's not a result of our works, like I was trying to do, so I could boast, but he, we can't boast on anyone but him, so that fantasy world um, was something that I had to face and realize was a lie, and realize that the reality, there was only one way through Jesus, so that's really what being a Christian is to me. Thank you so much for taking time to answer it that way. I love, love, love that you use scripture because no one explains it better than God himself, <laughs> right? But you yeah. really um, gave breath to it by just um, sharing your personal experience with it too. So thank you. That was beautiful. Um, so I know you touched on this a little bit about mm -hmm. like how you first saw Christianity versus how you see it now, but mm -hmm. like, when did you first start identifying yourself as a Christian? Like when did that turning point happen for you where you really came to know the Lord? Okay. Well, I, I will spare you of some of the gruesome details, but I'll kind of like recap, give you the short version. So I grew up in a great home, um, two loving parents. Um, and they, they raised me with the head knowledge of Jesus. We did go to church. Um, I learned to pray religiously. Um, I had my routine. I did like my 10 Our Fathers at night, my 10 Hail Marys. And I would just... I mean, like I said, I wanted to be that good girl. It was, it became like a performance. I felt like I had to fill a quota. Um, but again, I knew my heart was unclean. Um, I was what 
is known as a carnal Christian. I was living for the world, but I was playing the part of a Christian, of a good girl. And I'm not proud of my mess ups because um, some of them were very, very visible. Um, and some of them were not. And God knows what they are. Um, but the plot twist came when I reached the end of myself. I was about 22, 23 years old. I was in a relationship, six years into a relationship with my now husband, whose name is Giancarlo, who is your husband's cousin, and my then boyfriend. Um, and I was running wild. I mean, I was running wild for a few years. I, behind the scenes, again, keep this in mind, good girl reputation was really big. It's big in Italian communities. It's big in a lot of communities, not just Italian. It's big in the world. It's big, um, it was big for me. It was, and um, so I was running wild, but I found myself basically uh, in a depression at that time in my life. I was lost. I was numb. I was chasing sin, which was fun. Sin was fun um, at the time, but it was empty. It was not fulfilling. And so I didn't know who I was. Um, I would latch on to, I was like a chameleon. Like my identity was with my friend group at that moment or with, you know, whatever, you know, um, job I was working. That's who I was. So um, we were a few months into our engagement and I found myself at a low point and I, I was trying to give the ring back to my fiance. I wanted to call off the wedding. Um, just to kind of give you a little uh, background, I'm not blaming it because a lot of times I, I look back and I, I caught myself blaming people. I allowed it. I allowed it. So, but I did get myself entangled in circles of influence that um, steered me the wrong way, gave me wrong direction, uh, basically told me, you know, oh, your fiance is not for you. He doesn't support you and everything that you want in your life. And so I thought he was my enemy, basically. So, but little did I know that the enemy, the real enemy, the devil was warring for my soul. He literally was warring for my soul. It was like a battle and God in all of his kindness. And I believe it's his kindness that allowed me to stay in a hole long enough so that I would break down so low that nothing could fill me anymore except for him. And so, um, yeah, it was low. It, it didn't feel good, but I believe that that was God's kindness that allowed me to see that I needed that I needed because I, I was starting to get so full of myself and full of things, material things. Um, but it just wasn't working. Meanwhile, the Holy spirit was actively engaged in Giancarlo's life, my fiance's life. So I was on the road, working a job, traveling a lot away from my fiance. My fiance was at home and God was watering the seeds that had planted, uh, that were planted in John's life. Um, and most of them in, throughout his life, but most of them were planted while I was gone away from him. His brother, Julio, got saved. And when I got, say, got saved, he got radically saved. Because if anyone knows Julio, it was a radical transformation. 
And my husband, um, or my fiance, I should say, started to go to church with his brother. He started to read the Bible. And um, he, after he received the good news, which he had heard before, but I believe it was God's revelation. Um, and he saw God for who he really was. And he understood finally that he was an actual image bearer of God. He went and got himself a new identity in Christ. And I was off on the road heading in a different direction still. <laughs> so we are on two different planes. <laughs> yeah. But all of this time, I took him for granted. And I, I see the parallels now so clearly. It's kind of like how we take God for granted, that he's always there. And I took for granted that my fiance was always there. Um, and John picked up the phone one night and he called me. Um, I will never forget this. I was in Minneapolis and um, he said to me, I need to be with a Christian woman, Lena. And if you choose to continue in this lifestyle and run with these circles of people, you will self-destruct. And um, I was like, what are you talking about? I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know in my mind I was like yeah I'm a Christian but I I knew deep down there was no heart change my heart was not following the Lord um and you know he said I can't be with you he had just heard a sermon that past Sunday about um being equally yoked in a marriage and um it really resounded with him and he said he told me he had a weight so heavy on his shoulders it felt like he was carrying bricks this whole time that we were arguing and he literally got on his knees and he said he heard god whisper in his ear break up with her i will take care of you i love you wow and he's telling me this and i'm like what are you talking about? God told you to break up with me. Yeah. Wow. How can this be? So, um, and in hindsight, the Holy Spirit was literally speaking to me through my fiance when he said these last words on the phone with me. He said, Lena, I love you so much. I love you more than anything, but I have to, I love you so much. I have to let you go. Mm. And don't listen to others, those people are not for you. And so he, he had to let me go. And he, we got off the phone and I gotta say, I, that was the quickest I got out of my fantasy world. I had a big reality check. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Cause that, that was like, a wedding yeah. would be off, right? Yes. This whole time we had a wedding planned. My fiance always loved me. I knew he was always there. I took him for granted. Um, you know, and I had a reality check. It's funny how the truth, how he spoke the truth, it makes you confront your counterfeit life, like counterfeit. You, you makes you confront lies. And so I had to confront my counterfeit life, my fantasy life. And I had to say, what do I want? What am I doing? What do I want with my life? I'm about to lose my future with the love of my life, but even worse, I'm about to lose my soul. And he just told me straight up because he loved me. He, those were the facts. And I actually started to understand what was at stake. So I, I made up my mind 
to believe and trust God. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people know the day, the time, the hour, the minute that they just got saved. And I will say it was a process for me. I knew that that was where my heart was turning. My perspective was changing. I didn't know if God wanted me. I didn't know if God heard me. I didn't know what to do. I just started to pray to God and hope. I started to have hope. And um, it was a process and he began to heal me because I had a lot of scarring that people couldn't see on the outside that were in my heart on things that were secrets that I held inside about me and lies and things that I believed. Um, and I, he began to take the layers off. It wasn't just, it didn't feel like one veil. It felt like layers of veiling for me. <laughs> and, you know, as I began to see God more for who he was and how he loved me, I began to see me myself more. And so then I was able to continue in the relationship with John. So I headed home from Minnesota and we made a commitment. We really did. We jumped in with both feet. It was not easy. I, like I said, I'm not giving you all every detail. There were a lot of bumps. It was a roller coaster. It was like we had to restart our relationship. Our, our, it was like we had to start dating again and courting. And it was the same way with me and God. I had to start from ground zero and build up. And so we made a commitment that our marriage was going to be a covenant relationship. It was sacred, but it was a commitment that would reflect our relationship with God. And so we're still committed to this day. It'll be 25 years next year. Um, and praise God for that. Um, four kids later, but the process is still ongoing, but we're still committed. That's the key. So that's, my testimony in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And, um, I love how God used John in your life because it, in that way specifically, yes. because as we know, I mean, our husbands don't save us, you know, so that's exactly. not what your story is saying, but God chose to use him as yes. the vessel to speak to you. And I think that's so powerful because marriage is a very, large testimony of God's relationship towards us. Yes. Um, it reflects that relationship, not perfectly, obviously, because uh, we are yeah. imperfect people, <laughs> but that's God's intention for marriage is to kind of, in, in a way, reflect the love and the commitment that he has to us. Mm -hmm. And so I love that your story is kind of woven into your story of marriage too, because I really do believe that there is a correlation there. And so it's so sweet that God chose to do that. And you guys have such a powerful marriage. I think, I mean, just seeing the both of you together, it's clear you're on the same page. It's clear you're equally yoked and you're on mission and you're stronger together. So, and I, I think other people see that. So I just wanted Thank to encourage you, you with that. Yeah. I do think that that has strengthened us because we, we, went through the challenge together. We, we found God, it was right around the same time. And it was like, we were able to grow together and encourage each other and call each other out in love and be each other's accountability. And really, yes, like you said, a marriage relationship, but any relationship um, should be, have that foundation of Christ. And I am so thankful. I think it is a special testimony that I can hold in my heart, knowing that God used 
my husband. Yeah, you're right as a vessel. And, and it's very, very neat. And it should encourage all of you listeners out there that, you know, um, you, God will use you and it doesn't matter, you know, in any situation. So no one's ever too far off. Just continue to be led by God and, and speak truth. Cause that's what saved me. The truth. 100%. So. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. so kind of just to maybe piggyback off of these questions, but now that you would say that you are a follower of Christ, what are some of the joys and challenges of the Christian walk for you? Um, so like, have there been any challenges you, you face that have shaped your view of the Lord and, and how has that shaped things for you? Absolutely. Um, so many, I mean, I, so many joys that I've come to, to know through knowing the Lord, um, and experience, be able to experience joy, even in pain. That's probably one of the biggest ones is, um, you know, consider it joy when you go through trials, you know, cause God is teaching us perseverance and he's building character and he's, he's just revealing things to us, but, um, it's, joyful knowing that I'm secure because in an uncertain and insecure world that we live in, I love that security that God's got me. That's joyful to me. Um, having an eternal perspective, cause that, that has been a like mindset shift since I became a Christian, a Christ follower. And it reminds me that our trials are temporary. So when I'm going through something and it feels like the weight of the world is on me, I just remind myself that it's temporary and that we, you know, when I have God's, when I'm looking through God's lens, there's a bigger plan. There's a bigger perspective. Um, I try to live grateful um, and take in moments and appreciate, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And that is a scripture that I always, like, I try to write, what I'm thankful for, have a little journal, you know, um, and from experience now I know that, you know, when you feel, um, that you're like, you're about to break and going through, you feel like you're about to get crushed by something or pressed, or you have a hard time that that's usually when God is going to give you a breakthrough, because if you hang on to God and you're clinging on to him and his promises are true, he will bring you out of that valley to the mountaintop. And I would say the biggest joy that I have is bringing someone to the saving knowledge of Jesus, watching someone on the sidelines come to the revelation knowledge that they can have hope in Christ and eternal life and are forgiven. And then being able to disciple someone that brings me joy. Those are the joyful things, the challenges. Um, yeah, persecution, obviously we're going to be different, um, but we are made, we're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. If we always feel comfortable, if we always feel like we're like, if we're too comfortable, we have to ask ourselves, are we blending too much? Why are we feeling so comfortable all the time? Right? Because now we are a part of the kingdom. So when we're a part of the kingdom, we're, we're in the world, but you know, we're not of the world. So we are going to feel like awkward. Sometimes we are going to feel like strangers. <laughs> um, this is not really where we belong. We're just passing through here. Um, and it's, I think the challenge, another 
challenges daily dying to self, we are surrounded by so many distractions and so many influences. Our flesh starts to get drawn to all of these visuals and temptations and the dangling carrots. And my dangling carrot's going to look like different from your dangling carrot because it's suited. The enemy knows what to put in front of me, what my weak spot is. But three things, if I could, if I could tell you really quick that I've heard this in a sermon before, renew your mind as many times as possible, as many times as needed. I don't care one day, it might be 10 times. The next day it might be a hundred times. Renew it, renew it, renew it, renew it. Renew it with the word of God because it washes you. It washes your, your mind. It washes all those bad thoughts and those bad visual things. Remember who you are. So renew your mind, then remember who you are. Remember, the world tells you you're worthless, but he says you're wonderfully made. You're, the world says be anxious, but he says I'm giving you peace. You know, the world gives, you know, scars us. He heals us. The world tells us we're weak, but he makes us strong. The world tells us we're a sinner, but we are forgiven. Remember who God says you are, not who the world says you are. This is so important, especially for young. I'm really big on young girls knowing and boys, of course, but because I, I have daughters, I really um, minister to a lot of young women. Remember who God says you are you're priceless. And remember what he has done for you. He, he would have left the 99 and did it just for you. He died for you. So those three things, renew your mind, remember who you are and remember what he's done because the enemy, he's going to come against you and he doesn't have a red cape and horns. He's going to come around and deceive you um, in a disguise and he's going to look good. So watch out. So make sure you have your armor on. My biggest challenge is now in the season of life that I'm in, I'm ministering more. Um, I'm in a spot where I feel like I'm trying to be obedient to God, listen to his voice and seeing someone deliberately reject Christ and especially a loved one. That has to be my biggest challenge because my heart breaks. I literally grieve and I understand why the Lord's heart breaks. And it has shaped my view of the Lord in so many ways. It has humbled me. It's showed me um, his authority that he, you know, the, the security that he gives us shows me his authority and his providence and his sovereignty, but it makes me love him more. His, the way he breaks for us, like how, because he loves us so much. Now I feel like I break like that for others and it makes me love him more, but it also empowers me and it emboldens me to tell other people. It makes my faith stronger. So those are some things that really, you know, are challenging and joyful at the same time. <laughs> yes. I love, I mean, all of that was, was gold. I'm going to have to replay this back because I, <laughs> so I can remember what you said, because it was so good. Um, just one final question, just to end us out here, but okay. what advice do you have for anyone seeking to follow God's call in their life? It can be scripture, favorite verse, or just some advice you've, you've heard along the way, but what would you say to people? Um, I used to think that only certain people like had like a hotline connection to God. Um, so I just want to encourage everyone that, um, you know, God is the creator, right? We know that. And when he's the creator, that means he has authority. And so he has authority over what he creates and how it should be used and how it should behave. So if we believe that, I just want to encourage you that 
that he says in, in, I'm going to read this right from the Bible, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. I'm going to put my glasses on here. And it says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and it still applies to us today. It says, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And that kind of ties in with this scripture too from Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So we know Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that frees us. We're captive by sin. And after he resurrected, he left us his spirit. So now we are all anointed, okay? It's not just the ones that on the pulpit with the microphones, not the leaders with the most Instagram followers, not, you know, um, you know the ones that are on staff at church. We, as followers of Christ, are all anointed and chosen for the purpose in furthering God's kingdom. So it's all how you use your anointing. And I would just say a couple things. I know we're running out of time, but a couple tips that I've learned through the years is to position ourselves to hear from God. What's our heart posture? What is our head thinking? Are we absorbing what's around us in the world or are we focused? Are we submitted to God? Is there anything hindering us, distractions? Um, so John 10, it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. So if we know God's voice, we will follow him. So don't be distracted by even the culture of church. You know, there's, there's, there are good churches. There are solid churches. Make sure you're plugged into a good church. But it has to align with the word of God. We cannot discount God's breathed word. When he says something, it has authority. It doesn't return void. And as a child with his spirit, he is going to be the one to illuminate the scriptures for you. He is going to give you the insight and he will give you the understanding. So if we have an attitude of expectation, that's when he will be able to use you. So, and, and if you, if you want to know if it's God's voice talking to you, you'll have peace. He says he'll give you his peace. That's that's basically my advice. Mm, and don't we all need that peace? <laughs> yes. In today's world peace. and just in life in general, it feels so good to have his peace. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Lena. This has been awesome. I um I feel like I know you better now, just knowing your full story, yeah. hearing you just talk about it. So I'm so glad I got to hear you share it today. And thanks for sharing with all the listeners as well. And I know they'll be blessed by your words. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. And I know it is funny. We've known each other for a while, but we never get to sit and talk about some, some of the little details. So this was fun. I'm glad. Yeah, I agree. Okay. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see Thank you, you so much again. I appreciate it. It was an honor. Have a blessed day. Okay, you too. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Sparkle Speak. 
If you are interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at underscore sparklefaith underscore or at sparklefaith.com. There you can find information on upcoming events and speakers. And please feel free to reach out to us if you have a personal story of faith that you would be willing to share with us. We hope you tune in again next week and we hope your week is full of the sparkle we all need. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.